Welcome back to What Do You Value. My name is Kenny Manano. Today I'll be joined by Prospect Baseball Head Coach Ross Juicy. Coach, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, Kenny? I'm doing good. So let's get right into the big question. Coach, what do you value? Wow. Uh, that's pretty open-ended, and there's a lot uh, when you think about things. But basically, I value things that are simple in life. Uh, your family, your friends, and I value all the opportunities that have presented themselves over the years. Uh, having a great job, a uh, great community here at Prospect, and being surrounded by good people. So that's one thing I've certainly tried to do over the years. I've learned a lot of lessons about who you surround yourself with. And when you've got those core principles, your family, your friends, your colleagues, your community, and you work that all in in a positive way, uh, it's hard not to fail. And I, I just try and value uh, the good things in life that uh, have been, uh, I guess I should say, I've just been very blessed to be surrounded by great people, so I value that a lot. Can you tell me about some of those lessons that you've learned? You've obviously got a lot of experience in your life through sports, coaching, teaching, everything. You learn along the way, and I, I found over the years, and we as a coaching staff have always tried to present uh, understanding how to deal with failure. I think that's a, uh, a lesson that every one of us need to learn over time. You know, you look back when you were a younger kid, and as you grow, things don't always go your way. And that's something we always try to present again, to our kids is that you got to overcome obstacles. And if you're able to persevere through the tough times, it makes everything a little bit easier along the way. And that's something that, again, just uh, it, life is just a process. I mean, I'm 55 years old right now and still learning. That's the way I approach things. And people over the years that have bothered me have been ones that just think they're the smartest people in the room and they think they've got all the answers when they don't. Uh, that, that just isn't true. It doesn't happen. And in life, you uh, just learn to deal with the punches as they come and keep getting back up off the ground. We, in fact, last night we lost a tough one nothing game and I talked to the kids about that. You know, hey, you know, we got knocked out. You know, we did everything we possibly could and uh, again, it's, it's that old saying, you know, it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you get hit and get yourself back off the ground and get right back into the race. What do you say about people thinking they're the smartest in the room? I, when I was younger, in the last year or two, I really had trouble with that. And part of the reason why I started this podcast and why I wanted to get into this thing like this, I just love hearing people's stories and I've really taught myself how to listen. I have always had trouble with that. I'm always the one to talk. I love talking. I love listening to myself. I just, now that I'm hearing people's stories, it's really kind of giving me another view on the world. Well, that's, that's it. You hit it in a nutshell. You know, listening is a skill, and that's something I've talked to kids in my class about. Uh, everyone wants to talk. Everyone's got something to say. And a lot of times there's a lot of people that boast and a lot of people that, uh, uh, to a certain degree, they don't know when to just be quiet. Take a step back, listen, know your surroundings, and understand what somebody else has to say. And a lot of times I've always found that the people that talk the most are sometimes insecure about themselves. 
because they don't want to hear the truth or someone comes back and says something to them and they've always got to have the last word. So I, you hit it on the head. I mean, listening is a skill that many of us need to learn. And there's a lot of practical skills in, I see here at Prospect that a lot of our students need to, to, to learn and understand more about communication and to, to hear other people. But just a simple practical skill of listening is something that I've observed within our community that we all need to do a better job of doing. So going back to what you're saying about failure and especially like with baseball and stuff, that I think that's the biggest point of baseball is it teaches you to learn how to handle failure, teaches you to set yourself up to succeed and maybe like last year I started the season over fourteen at prospect and then I had the best year of my life. It I it made it makes you want it more. And I think that that transfers over to life really well. And something that I've always kind of believed in is if you put the work in in one thing, it'll transfer over to something else. And especially with any sports, any job, you know, you don't make the team, well, go try out for lacrosse. If you don't make, don't get this job, go, go for another one. I think everything in life transfers over really well if you're just willing to work for it. And that's it. That is a T-shirt I used to see around that just said baseball is life. And it's so true. Uh, you, you fail seven times out of ten and you're still considered good. And it's a sport that failure is basically what it's all about. I mean, it's, it, it, we tell kids all the time, you know, as a doctor, if you fail seven times out of ten in any operation you're doing, uh, you're not going to be in the business. If you're a lawyer and fail seven times out of ten, you're not going to maintain your job there. I laugh about an airplane pilot. You know, you've you got to be perfect. And those are the type of things that, you know, when, when you deal with failure on a, da on a daily basis in baseball, it, it, it does help you with those, um, you know, it teaches you how to overcome specific things. Part of that is what I like about baseball is that, you know, you can still have a terrible game, go over four, make an error in the field, but you just wake up and do it again tomorrow. I, I remember uh, Barry Bonds, I believe, said, he went 0 for 5 at the play one day, four strikeouts, probably one of the worst games in his career. Reporter asked, what are you going to do to change it tomorrow? He said, I'm just going to wake up and go back at it. It's especially like in the MLB with 162 games in the season. It's just every day is a new day. And like you see the White Sox finally got their two game win streak, their first two game win streak going. Like they're just waking up and going at it another day against two good teams. It's even in uh, high school, we play so many games, especially with the rainouts. We just string together a lot of games in a week and you just kind of keep going at it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what you have to do. And, and it's, it, it's one of those things that, uh, again, you just said it, you, you wake up and you go back at it the next day. The, the one thing that baseball does present itself with is, uh, you know, it does bring about character, brings about sportsmanship. And uh, one thing that I've seen over the years, the, the, the kids that have had success in our program have maintained that success. There's a consistency. You're going to go over four, but you know that kid's going to bounce back. And that's what we try and tell them is just, you know, when I'm driving into work, you know, I don't have to worry about this kid because I know that he's doing the right things. He's working the right way. He's putting the time in. And uh, for instance, I'll use Jack Fryer, our second baseman this year, started the year off 0 for 22. And you could tell, you know, he's gripping the bat tight. He was just trying too hard. And uh, we had a good conversation one day and just to make him realize, hey, I trust you. You're our guy. 
right? Just do your thing. Don't think, you know, just just do. I kind of, I used that little slogan from the recent Top Gun movie, and we were joking about that. You know, don't think, just do. And I swear from here on out, uh, Jack has had a great season. He made a, an incredible play last night in our game that kept us in the game, and uh, big smile on his face, and he just plays the game right now with a reckless abandon, and he has finally understood, I can't take myself so seriously. I gotta have fun doing this, and he's got a smile that'll light up a room. And uh, again, that's just a lesson he's learned. You just come right back the next day, don't get caught up in what you did, get caught up in what you are now and where you wanna go. So yeah, hearing something like that from your coach, that they have faith in you, they trust you, from a coach or whether it be a teacher, just a parent, someone that you respect, that means so much and that can really, like you said with Jack, just get you going. And that goes for any kid, and you know whether it's a, a student in, a, in my classroom or uh, conversations that you have in general with kids, I have found once a kid gets confidence, they can do anything. And that's the important part. I believe as a coaching staff, that's what we try and do, is instill confidence. Try and get them to a point that they believe in themselves that we don't have to say anything anymore, and they know that they can handle it on their own. It's part of the maturity. And sometimes when I was younger, we would get on kids pretty hard and not really understand that concept. And I would drive home and say, God, I was pretty hard on that kid. You know, he's only 16, 17 years old. And when you put that in perspective and you come back the next day, we always try and follow up on, anytime we've been hard on a kid, we try to come back and follow up just like a parent would. Like, do you understand why we did that? Do you understand what we're trying to do? Sometimes they don't understand. And you assume they understand, but they don't. And that's the maturity level, is trying to get them from point A to point B. You know, point A being learn from that situation, point B being we got them to a point where they have confidence that they can now handle this on their own. What you're saying about kind of reassuring kids is I've had my fair share of coaches that'll just scream in your face and walk away for a couple of days. What I love, my favorite thing about any coach really always comes down to like, with Coach Rival, he'll scream in your face, he'll tell you what he did wrong, but he forgets about it. He doesn't like drag on about it. He will continue to, like he won't just pull you out of the game, tell you what you did wrong and sit you down. He'll come talk to you after the game, he'll tell you why he did it, how, how he made that decision and how you're gonna come back the next day and you're gonna do better and you're gonna bounce back. And that's really what baseball's all about, you gotta be able to bounce back. Right, and that's uh, part of it too. And you know, when you get a coach like that, that that does those things, he's also trying to make you process how you would have handled it differently. Instead of just uh, you, know, I, the best coaches I ever had are the ones that talk to you, not at you. Because the ones that just keep talking at you and there's no substance behind what they have to say, after a while you tune them out, and that's not where you want to be. I felt that at times. I kind of get a read when I'm talking to our kids in a group and I move my head around a lot. I look, try and look people eye to eye. I just don't do a blind stare in space. I wanna see you know, how deep that conversation is going. And at times, if I'm talking at kids, you might get a kid in the back that might be yawning or a kid that's staring up into the sky. And they're not connected. And you have to kind of change the focus of where your conversations go with kids so that there's substance to them, you're making it practical, you're making them critically think about what they're really doing. And that's an aspect that I have two boys of my own that are both in college right now, 
when I have those conversations with them, I want those conversations to mean something. Because when, I'm, when parents just talk at kids or give a lot of empty threats, what's gonna happen? Nothing. And you wanna be able to move forward and learn from different life experiences and uh, you know that being one of them. So growing up, I, of course you played baseball. Did you play any other sports? I played, uh, I played basketball. And I, I did that uh, all the way through high school. I actually played varsity basketball here at Prospect. Uh, we had a pretty good team our senior year. We, uh, I went to Arlington High School before it closed and came to Prospect for uh, my last year. And the kids from Arlington, the kids from Prospect, we meshed really well. It was fun. Our senior year was so much fun because you got to know a lot of new people. And our basketball team, we thought was going to be a problem because you know you get a lot of egos. You got guys that were starting at one school. You got guys that had spots here, and we all had to find a way to get along. And uh, playing basketball here was a great experience. But that was uh, uh, another a sport that I enjoyed playing besides baseball. How do you think that playing a sport other than baseball has helped you with coaching the sport? I, I don't know necessarily. Other than you're in a different arena, you're. In, in a sport that requires a different set of fitness skills. Uh, I always found that playing baseball over the summer and then all of a sudden into the fall starting to prepare yourself for basketball, your legs wouldn't be in shape. It's just a whole set of different muscles that you use, but I've always encouraged kids to play multiple sports. I think it's, you know, first of all, enjoy your high school experience. You know, do everything that you can do while you're young. And I believe playing multiple sports allows you, you know, if we've had kids that have played football, basketball, and baseball, all require a different set of skills. But I think it creates a balance within you as an athlete. It creates confidence with you as an athlete as well. And those are things that I always encourage kids to play as much as you can. And when you get to the point, maybe you play three sports the first couple of years, and then you realize, oh, I, I just want to focus on baseball. That's great, but in the same aspect is you, you need to lift weights. You need to fill that void of a sport that maybe you dropped. But it, it, I think playing multiple sports is a great thing. My whole life leading up to high school, I played either two or three sports with baseball, football, basketball. And then I got to prospect my freshman year, I played football as well as baseball. And then my sophomore year, I actually decided to drop football. And then I'm now announcing it and said, as you know, and like you said, you've got to fill that gap. And that was, at first, I didn't really realize that. I was lifting, but I wasn't lifting how I was with football. It wasn't as intense. And it was just kind of me going, walking into crunch and just going through the motions, I guess you could say. And now uh, I play at Athletic Barn now. and those workouts are crazy intense and I, it's like having somebody that's pushing you on whether it be like coach DeBoff for football or uh, Barney at the barn like he's always pushing you to get better and whether it be through screaming at you or telling you what you're doing wrong however it is whether or it's a teammate they're really good with that at the barn you really need someone next to you to push you on I think to get better whether it be in sports or anything in life. You gotta stay busy you gotta stay active you gotta fill the void and that makes people better. It, it, I always become concerned when a, when a kid uh, quits a sport and they're not doing anything. And that's when trouble happens. You know, you might do some things socially that you wouldn't have done if you would have been busy 
commit yourself to something so that's one thing even with my kids at home i've always tried to have them do is stay busy stay active be involved no matter what that might be for you for instance to get involved in media and uh, follow some of your other passions fills that void and also is setting a table for you for a possible career advancement and those that's what you're setting the table for sports help you even though you don't know it will help you towards getting into that interview room someday everything that you've learned about discipline uh, punctuality character that you learn through sports is going to help kids in that interview and i've always told our players you're setting the table for a good moment someday you're setting the table for you to have an advantage over anyone else that goes in an interview room that is trying to apply for the same job and those are things that i believe that uh, owners of companies uh, people in human resource departments can see through. They look at people. Are you looking them in the eye when you talk? Are you a good communicator? Have you learned all these disciplines? So yes, playing multiple sports, filling the void, staying active, staying disciplined helps you in the long run set yourself up for a great moment. I think what you say about learning from sports, for me the sport that I learned the most from is, is uh, football. Growing up playing with all my friends and then getting into middle school and becoming really, really serious compared to when I was younger, it's just, it teaches you so many little life lessons, just like baseball does, whether it be about failure, football's got a lot of discipline to it, and, you know, coaches aren't afraid to throw you around and make you run a lot, and I, I love that. I love having somebody, like I said, pushing me on, making me get better, and growing up, I was always surrounded by sports, surround, all my friends played sports, all their dads coached us, my dad coached me, and having just a sport feel in your life and just always being always competing whether it be anything playing air hockey in the basement you're going at it with your cousin be on the field for baseball or football always competing in life I think really can take you a step further than other people no question because you have an edge to you that you want to succeed no matter what you do whether it's playing checkers or chess or uh, playing monopoly with your family uh, our our family is uh, it's always comical is we always end up in arguments. We always are battling just playing Monopoly. I mean, just doing family things that it's just been entrenched uh, growing up, learning to compete and compete in the right way. You know, the, I, I always will throw this out at our kids as well is, uh, are you a want to win kid or are you a hate to lose guy? And I always bring up Michael Jordan. He was a hate to lose guy. And because he hated to lose, drove his competitiveness to another level. Wanting to win is great, and there's nothing wrong with that. But wanting to win is, at times, taken for granted, just to think that winning is just going to happen. It, and sometimes it does. It falls in people's lap. But the hate-to-lose attitude is a whole different breed, and that allows you to kind of push yourself to another level. I really, I, so there's some, some people in the world that just don't want to go after it, just don't want to play that game or compete with you. I personally, I don't understand that. I've always been raised to go after it, go for the next thing in life, you know, never be content. And I feel like, especially now, I see it in Prospect, I see it everywhere. There's a lot of people that are just becoming really content with what they're doing, and that's fine. You know, you don't want to hate yourself. You want to be comfortable with yourself. But I feel like there's a lot of people that are 
kind of being okay with where they're at. And personally, I, I'm always striving for the next thing. I'm always trying to get better. I'm never okay with where I'm at, whether it be physically, academically, or anything in life. I'm always wanting to stretch for the next thing. Yeah, that's with me. It's, it, it drives me nuts when I see that it, it's something that, that, that doesn't bother you. You know, you lose a tough game, and, and we, we preach about good character and professionalism and sportsmanship. But you can kind of sense in the eye of somebody, or you can sense their demeanor is, are they really upset that they lost, you know, and they wear it on their sleeve, or do they just, you know, start conversation like nothing happened, you know? And at times that's kind of a, a pet peeve with me is I, I would rather see a kid that's wearing it on his sleeve and has that grimace of being upset that we lost a tough game. And when, uh, even recently, we, we lost uh, the other day, and on the bus ride home, everyone, we were too happy. We were, we were too happy. Like, it, like it didn't bother anybody, and that, that bothers me. You know, you, you, hey, hey, wind down, let the game go, I get it. You know, try and have conversation, nothing wrong with that, having a good conversation after the game. But when you're happy and laughing and as if nothing bothered you, you know, give it 30 minutes. You know, let it sink in for 30 minutes that we lost a tough game. Be quiet. Think about what you got to do the next day. And then when you get off the bus, hey, man, it's over with. We move on. But, yeah, I, I think at times uh, that entitlement, that, that feel of like, like hey, that didn't bother me and, and, and that type of attitude, it wears on me. You know, I, it takes me a little while to, you know, simmer down. And, you know, I get in my car to drive home after a tough loss. I don't want to bring it home to my family. And I've done that before. That's the last thing you want because my wife doesn't want to hear negativity when I come home and doesn't want to rehash everything she wants to hear. She wants to listen. But those are the type of things that I think you're mentioning is that carry it with you for a little bit, but people that love to compete wear it on their sleeve. And sometimes that's just who we are. There's nothing you can do about it. But then once you've got that out of your system, move on and get ready for the next day. Yeah, I think baseball especially is a really, really fine line with, you know, hanging your head and, like you said, having too much fun. And, you know, whether it's when you get off the bus or when you go up to net bat the next day, you've got to be able to just drop it. You know, if you strike out at the plate in your first at bat, you've got to be able to go in the field and focus on that fly that's, ball and make the play. Yeah, it, to me, and I, I just 100% honesty, is that that's one thing that I've struggled with over the years is sometimes I just carry it with me for too long. Maybe because I, I think I care too much or whatever it might be from a competitive side of things, but it's taken me a long time and I'm still working on it, is that you, you just have to you know, flush it and, and, and move on. But I, I'm one of those that you like, well, if only we would have done this or if we could have adjusted this and you, 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 you get wrapped up into that and I carry things way too long at times and it, it, yeah, I've gotten better but it's always a work in progress. I understand that completely. It can be really hard sometimes, and I keep going back, you know, especially in baseball, you've just, there's so many lessons that come from it, whether it be, you know, bouncing back real quick or anything else, setting yourself up to, for success and failing. It's, it's really just a game of lessons, and I've heard you say before, you know, what you learn from baseball, you take with yourself for the rest of your life, and that really spoke to me. Yeah, and that's all we can do. And that's, in the end, when you, you learn after all these years is that it, it's about the kids. It's about 
learning, it's about teaching, and wins and losses take care of themselves. When you're a young coach, you get caught up in wins and losses. It's just a natural feel. You want to build your program, and at times you're getting way too caught up in the winning aspect of it. And once we established, uh, after a few years of like, wait, this isn't working, we've got to find another route to go to send our message to kids. And that's when we came up with the play hard, play smart, play together slogan. And if you really think about it, if you do those things, if you play the game as hard as you can play and you give everything you've got, you play smart, you think of situations and you're tactical and while the game is taking place, play the game smart and you play together as a team and you've got each other's back and you're pushing for the player that maybe is ahead of you. Maybe is starting in front of you at second base. You don't want to be that guy that hopes the kid fails so that you can play. It's selfish. So to get rid of a self, you know, a selfish environment where you're playing as a team and playing together, when you put those three aspects together, the winning takes care of itself because you've established a good culture. You've established a good clubhouse. And in my younger years as coaching, I don't think we had that. I look back at kids that when I was 29 years old as a head coach and we were really trying to win and you know putting an aspect in there uh, that didn't work and some of those kids that have come back and seen games today as we've all gotten older some of those kids are in their 40s right now which is crazy but they look at what we do on the field and they're like wow you know it's a different they could feel it it's a whole different environment from when back when they played and I take that as a compliment because at least we move forward and we learn from our own mistakes about how to deal with kids, about how to send the right message and get kids into a position that they can succeed in life by doing those things as well. Yeah, baseball really a game of adjustments. You know, if it's a game of millimeters, whether it be playing or coaching, it's always trying something new. And another one of the beauties of baseball, in my opinion, is every day can be a new day and every day you can beat a team that's way better than you. It's it's really it can be any team any day and that comes down to the skill of the players that day, but it also comes down to, are you going to play for the guy next to you? You might not be as good as the pitcher on the other team, but are you going to hit a ground ball to the right side to move the guy over from second? It's like the little things that really can matter. And that does make a difference. And even the team we have this year is that we're, we're not there yet. It's a growing experience. A lot of these kids are coming back, and we're just trying to set the table and look at the big picture. And I got a really good feeling that this group can surprise a lot of people come tournament time this year. Even though we're around 500 and we might not feel that we've played as the best we can at this point, it's a group that is learning. You can see it in their eyes when you're talking to them. And it's about really making them believe that they can do this. Even though we're losing some tough games against some good competition, that's the other aspect. We're playing really good teams and that's making them better in the long run where we know that we can compete against anybody. And come tournament time, anything can happen. And even though we've lost a couple tough games recently, I still think this group this year has a chance to go farther than they expect. And I don't think they realize it yet, but they're getting there. And a lot of these kids are coming back next year. And I think by doing things right, this is a group of kids are learning lessons and can achieve a lot of success here in the next two years. I'm really excited to see our pitching staff and then this, the playoffs, but also when you look at next year, a lot of them are younger. I think only two seniors 
Kachini we have five seniors, uh, well, pitching-wise, too, yes. We have five seniors in total. But they're all finding a way to contribute, and they're, they've taken a role I, I've witnessed with them is that they're kind of taking these kids, you know, um, under their wing and trying to establish that culture that if we don't do it this year, that we want to be a part of what you do next year, too. And that's, that's a great thing when you see people complimenting each other like that. What I really like about what the seniors are doing this year, being a, on the JV team, not really being around varsity much, they're still not afraid to talk to you. Uh, Zach Mareth, Gavin Flanagan, they'll say hi to you in the hallway. They'll have a conversation with you. They don't act like they're better than you, which I think sometimes, especially in sports, when you have older guys around the younger guys, that can really go the wrong way. Right. That's what we try to do is establish that positive culture is that you always have a role. There's always something you can do. And it doesn't have to be something on the baseball field. Just saying hi in the hallway, like you mentioned, goes a long way. You know, we all remember when we were younger kids or we were the underclassmen, you always look up to the seniors. And uh, if they hold themselves in high regard, then you're going to respect what they have to say. All right, well, Coach, looks like we're running out of time today. I want to thank you for coming on. Well, absolutely. Ken, anytime. It's a great conversation, and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Make sure you come back next week for the next episode of What Do You Value?